everyone. Welcome back to the AdCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your Tsun Tsun host, Renu, joined by my Dere Dere co-host, Supi. Hello. <laughs> this I, week, at stands for Isaka Taiga, because we'll be talking about Toradora. I don't know if I would be classified as the Dere Dere. I feel like... Why? I think I, out of the two of us, I think you're more Dere Dere than me. Really? I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure about that. It, it might just go... It might just be that we're both soon soon. Uh, well, no, I think because you you work so hard to like make group things happen and harmonize and such that I think you're the dairy dairy and plus all soon no dairy. Yeah, whenever whenever dairy you are free. like thrashed from like drinking way too much, you talk about like how good humans are. <laughs> And how you yeah. just want goodness for all your friends and everyone on the planet. <laughs> Worry not. I've I've come a long way, and now I can maintain a little bit of soon, even when I drink. Really? I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough going. It depends. I think your full dairy just comes out when you drink. <laughs> Listen. It's possible. I'm I'm not going to make promises that I can't keep. So uh-huh. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm going to refuse to comment on this further. <laughs> until until we do our our uh, our special New Year's episode where I will just come and we'll record while I'm wasted. <laughs> that sounds like a super fun thing to do and yeah. not like a totally terrible awful bad thing that I would have to record and listen to and die. Yeah, it'll be the absolute drunk cast in which I'm sober and you're wasted. And- oh yeah, the the absolutely <laughs> trashed cast. <laughs> that sounds like an awful idea, so let's not do I that. I love it. I think no. we should do that. Yep. Put it no. in the calendar. <laughs> I'm not I'm not putting that anywhere. <laughs> Oh yeah, this week we're talking about Tora Dora, but before we get into it, let's go over what we've been up to since our last cast. What you been up to? Tell me. I have been dying. You are always dying. <laughs> I know, but like it's actually gotten worse somehow in the last couple of weeks than it mm-hmm. has been because I have been completely not in control of my sleeping schedule it's gotten completely out of hand i i okay so i woke up on wednesday night at 9 p.m oh my god are you nocturnal now (laughs) i slept for i think like 14 or 15 hours and i woke up at 9 p.m and I was like, I shouldn't go back to sleep. And so I just stayed up until my 8 a.m. And then I did classes. Except I basically fell asleep through every class that came after my 8 a.m. The two classes I have after my 8 a.m. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I was marked present. So I guess I win. Uh, then I Your came home. Your consciousness wasn't present, but you it, were. <laughs> it really wasn't. I felt legitimately narcoleptic because I was trying my best to stay awake and I like could not, I could not. Like I wasn't falling asleep on purpose, mind you. I legitimately um, could not course. stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. And 
And then I got home and I desperately tried to stay awake to watch the uh, opening of the Overwatch League because it started up again. And that was the first day that it started up. And uh, I just decided, you know what, I'll just I'll put it on in the background and then I'll 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 take a nap. And I slept for three Mm. hours and then I woke up, Mm. I got food then I came back. um, And then I, I played Dungeons and Dragons. And and then I think I just I think I maybe just went to sleep after that. I might have played games or something. Oh, I remember now. I was reading Grand Blue Fantasy Valentine's uh, oh quotes <laughs> because they, each character has a scene for Valentine's Day that you can read, and they're cute. <laughs> but the problem is, I have like two hundred characters, and oh it, depending my on God. depending on how long a character has been out, they have more scenes so, because they get one every year that they're out. And uh, I am, I'm like, alphabetically, I'm a, I'm at F. Oh my god. Yeah, and like A through F took me like two or three hours. Why are you spending so much time reading No, that? I love it, I love it. I also <sighs> unlocked, um, I, I drew Valentine's Clarice, uh, who's one of the characters in Grand Blue, and I, I discovered that as as Grand Blue has sort of um, evolved as a game, it mm-hmm. has become less and less concerned about the gender of your main character because you can switch them at any time. Yeah. And as a result, the things that it does with its fate episodes, especially some of the... Um, I'm going to say especially the Valentine's Day one. I don't know if there's anyone that's quite as out there about it, but like it just becomes incredibly gay. Like <laughs> I like I I I don't I don't know how to explain this in a way, but like I there's no other explanation for it because it uses your your sprite, so it like Yeah. It uses it uses your 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 sprite depending on whether you're you're playing a male or female character. It yeah, and the, the nothing else about the story has changed, and the whole story is about how this girl in your crew is like pining after you, and like um her I'm I'm gonna say mentor uh is is just like it's fine. This is how you confess your feelings, and then she sets you up on on. She's like, she, it's legitimately like one of those like completely cliched anime things where it's like, oh, we'll all go shopping, but like I'll I'll take everyone else away so that you can be alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you go to a cafe for couples and you feed each other parfait. It's brand new. I don't oh, understand. Oh my god, it's okay. so much. <laughs> I I understand because that's kind of where the Japanese mobile market is going now because that happens in the Star Ocean mobile game too in terms of oh, like okay. your your characters like uh well not not the ones that you summon but like the ones that are like the original to the mobile game uh have very strong feelings for you and then it's also hinted a little bit like oh maybe this the main girl has like romantic feelings for you, but you don't know it because she's pretty wow. soon soon. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, no, but- yeah. And, and the, they don't ever refer to the, the, you know, your character as a gender because, you know, you could be any gender. They oh just refer God. to you as the captain. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You just, you just get called like Dancho. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, I mean, they kind of have to be like that. And I, I'm kind of okay with that, you know, like I like that it's just, like they they're not assigning you a gender first off and 
you know, whatever romantic implications are going to be, they're, it's going to be, they're just going to write it and you're going to be a cliche anime romantic trope. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's true. It's just that like, I, I mean, because you can select your, your gender in Grand Blue, um, yeah. it becomes a lot more because I, I think <laughs> this, this might be one of the only like really explicitly, um, uh, geared fate episodes towards that mm. kind of thing because mm. i i think they were maybe considering um the implications of of that before uh, and this this year they decided that they would remove the restriction of and this is a very specific thing about grand blue fantasy is like a very specific japanese convention about valentine's day because it has a lot more rules in japan than it does here you know, it's not just, oh, you know, you just do something nice for someone that you like. It's it's like there are, are social conventions surrounding, like, women give men chocolate on Valentine's Day, and then men give women chocolate on White Day, which is a month later. And mm-hmm. as a result, Grand Blue has always been, um, you have to switch between your, your genders to uh, access the all of the, the scenes, because, you know, as, as a... Um, you know, as a female character, you're you're going to be the one giving chocolates, and as a male character, you're going to be the one receiving chocolates. Mm. And so it's interesting because uh, this year they re- they made it so that you can just kind of remove that restriction, and you don't have mm. to change it manually. And mm. I mean, that implication is like, I mean, it's pretty much nothing, right? It's it's just like now you can you know pretend that you're like uh you're you're the other character, but. The thing is, with the Fate episodes, they're a lot more explicit, and they're a lot more, um, like, aimed at you in a way okay. that the Valentine scenes um, aren't necessarily. In, in in a personalized and impersonal way, because of the way in which it doesn't care about your gender, but it, it accidentally turns this, the, the character and the whole scene into something that's, like, potentially very, very gay. Which I think is very interesting that they decided to go that way, and mm. I'm—I mean, I, I'm appreciative of it, mind you. But it's—I think it's—but it, I think it would be bound to happen though, because if any of the fate episodes include any sort of romantic implication, then it will become gay depending on the the character of the fate episode. Right, right? and I—I th- I think that's why they haven't really—I think that's yeah. why they haven't really done it until now. I think it's almost. It's, I think it's more like incidental gaze than anything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it is, mind you. But like, also, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be super pessimistic about this one because normally, normally, it's true that I am. Uh, but Psy Games, at le- at the very least, has somewhat of a track record of, of, uh, I'm going to say like non-normative expressions of. Uh, gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. I just sent you a picture of what she looks like, by the way. She's super adorable. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, because <laughs> the thing the thing is, if you actually dig into some of the the characters in in Grand Blue, uh, it's actually kind of surprising what you'll find because you have. Uh, so this is Clarice. She's yes. she's she's Clarice. She's cute, but there uh, her mentor is is Cagliostro or Cagliostro who is uh, the person who invented alchemy in this world. And mm-hmm. her backstory is basically that she was uh, an old man with a sickly body who then alchemized a new body for herself and became the world's cutest girl. <laughs> and, like, it is just, like, 
I, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but like they, they treat her really respectfully and they like make a point of saying like, you know, you know, it does not matter what, what I was before I am Cagliostro now. Right. So it's like, I am the world's cutest girl now. I am the world's cutest girl now. Yeah. So there is, there is this kind of subversive undercurrent, whether it's like intentional or not, they right. actually do do it pretty well and they have um they have a uh one of those characters in in the game who is kind of like the the japanese like uh what do you call them like the the gay bars or whatever the like mm. um i'm sure they have a better word for it now but the the bars where like the drag bars right mm-hmm where those kinds of characters uh, appear a lot in Japanese media because that's that's the Japanese popular conception of non-normative gender expression. It's, you know, people who are obviously big, burly men dressing as women and acting all feminine. And yeah. obviously the, the reality of the situation is a lot more complicated. There's a lot of v- very complicated gender feels going on in, in that space. Yeah. Um, but because it's it's uh, and obviously this word is is being phased out now. But like this this kind of okama culture, and yeah. there's a character like that in Grand Blue, except the game just treats her like a a woman. Like mm. you you receive Valentine's chocolates from her on on Valentine's Day, and everyone just refers to to her as as a woman, and they like they let her into like the woman's bath and all that all that crap. So like the game and the narrative treat treat her exactly the same as every other like female character and there's another character who is um not uh, a traditionally uh, i guess gendered character there's a character named Balurga who the game refers to her with like female pronouns but like it it gets complicated because you're not really sure if they have any conception of what a gender is um mm. because they were raised in a basically like a like a mad max death cult and the whole like <laughs> the whole idea is that they're like macho bravado uh and so when you when you click the button which is and there's two different colors of buttons for the um, for men and women like there's there's like blue buttons and red buttons and red buttons you receive chocolate and blue buttons are you you give chocolate except this one is a red button where you give chocolate because um they've always wanted to receive chocolate they're just like yeah valentine's day this is where you get chocolate from ladies it's neat <laughs> so yeah i i think it's it's i think it's interesting to to look at to look at uh things like grand blue and and see where we're kind of at in terms of at least popular culture uh and I think it's a nice step forward. And I think that Grand Blue does have a, a global audience in mind. They have a really strong localization team for the English version. Mm. Even if there's no like official quote unquote English release because it's a Japanese game. It's basically like every other country in the world where they just have to download American games and then they might have a different language option. Right. So yeah, I think that's really neat. And I was not expecting to like have so many emotions over uh based what is basically like a, a rom-com cliche ever again because it's just like the whole like oh i i'm so nervous i don't know what to do if 
if I confess my feelings to you, like, what about all the other people that care about you? What's going to happen? Uh, and then, and then, you know, all of, all, she goes through with it anyway. And you're just like, my heart is swelling with, I love, I love you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I accidentally, uh, that's how I accidentally fell in love with this character. Uh, yeah. she was, Goodbye. she was cute. She was cute before, <laughs> but her fate episode really just, just captured my heart and I wasn't expecting it. And I was like. It's like I spent like an hour reading this. I where oh am I? Where, where am, am I? I? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> so yeah, uh other than other than Grand Blue, which uh I've been playing slightly less of, I I've been playing a ton and I I legitimately mean like a, just a ton of Apex Legends, which is a battle royale mm. game that just launched from yes. Respawn Entertainment, which is the Titanfall guys. So they make the the big shooty mech game. Except this one has no mechs. It's just a battle royale. Except it's super fun. I've sunk way too many hours into this game when I should have been doing homework. But it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I, it, it, I think it does some very... And speaking of, like, queer characters, like, uh, fuck, dude. This this game, like, came out the bat and was like... You know how Overwatch did that thing where they just, like, teased you for, like, four years? Check it out. We got a gay character with a husband. We got... A fucking non-binary character. You don't know anything about them. They got a fucking raven. <laughs> and like, you know, uh, they're not all just like random as white dudes, except for Caustic. And he's he's that's because he's toxic masculinity, the character. Oh, my God. He's he's literally like this. Uh, he, he has he's has like really big, bushy beard and he wears yeah. a gas mask. And he's yeah. like, I am a man of science. I love I'm to watch man. people die. Yeah. So he's literally like like he's meant to be like that. And I think that's that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, that that game is a a wonderfully colorful, vibrant game full of a lot of uh, I, there's a lot of care and attention that has gone into the character work of that game and I really appreciate that because that's Awesome. You know, I'm 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 glad. I I think it's uh it's nice that we're getting Especially uh, things, uh, things like non non binary characters. Like I think that's great mm-hmm. because that's not something that the media has has really yet to pick up on. Right? It's just like okay, we'll give you like uh, I don't know, like one black person and maybe like an Asian sidekick. There you go. You happy, mm-hmm. right? What? No, you're not happy. Why aren't you happy? You've been happy mm-hmm. with this for fifty years. <laughs> so you know, it's it's nice uh, that we yeah. get. Lots of lots of queer stuff and lots of diverse stuff. Yeah, it's well, that's nice. awesome. I've heard nothing but good things about that game. Yeah, it's it's super fun, even if you're not really good at shooting. Oh, which is, I mean, there's still a lot of shooting involved, and if you if you're not good at shooting, it's it's still going to be like hard to win. But you can still be helpful. Reasons so, why I don't play Overwatch and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It happens. It happens. I have a bad habit of of being like overly competitive at times. Uh, I try my best, especially. I think it's a lot easier for me when I'm playing with people that have never played before, where I I'm a lot more willing to like just um, let people do whatever uh, and teach them how to play the game but like after a certain point when I kind of expect you to know how to do things I get kind of frustrated when they don't happen which is like not not a great place to be because it's like it's just a video game you're just having fun uh, but it, I, it's a known bad habit of mine so 
I will never play with you. <laughs> hey, hey, it'll, it'll be okay. No. <laughs> I promise I'll keep it under wraps. <laughs> I'll feel it. I'll feel it. No, growing. Just, no, just, it's fine. Just the frustration. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's fine. I would not be frustrated with you until you got at least like 200 hours into Overwatch. Because yeah, I'm like 200 hours and I'm still just borking everything. <laughs> I mean, it it happens. Everybody has their their own um, their own like power level, so to speak. Uh, but I th- I think that's pretty much all that I've I've been up to, uh, other than just existing and yeah, um, reading stuff. I've been reading a lot of Marx and Marxist thinkers for my critical theory class. I've been reading. Well, I actually need. I, there's more reading that I that needs to be done, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm doing my. Listen, you you're not allowed to to take the break between two classes. Like, you're not allowed to assign a hundred like a hundred eighty or so pages of reading on Tuesday and expect that to be done by Thursday. With the Whoa. with the notion in mind that there's other classes that I might have. One of them is being the same, uh, like a, a class from the same professor. <laughs> so, uh, no yeah, mercy. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be drowning. Yeah, it's absolutely no mercy. I'm gonna be drowning in work. And like the Overwatch League has started, and they have just a bunch of games. They have more games per day than they used to, and mm. they have more days per week than they used to because because there's eight more teams. So now there's 20 teams. They all got to so, fight. Yeah, basically they're trying to kill me. Um, <laughs> that's the conclusion that I've come to. They're just trying to kill me. That's okay, uh, though. It's okay, though. It's fun. What have you okay. been up to? Uh, um, me, I've been existing. Mostly the huge, just doing work things and making a little more progress in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I did... Uh, play Terraria for the first time in my nice. life. Nice. I love that yeah. game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Every time I explored too far and got into a new biome, I died immediately. <laughs> so that was the thing. And then I became paranoid every time I went to a new place. And so uh, my friend and I basically built an underground tunnel system into everything so that we could navigate safely. <laughs> yep. Nice, yeah, nice. so that was a lot of fun. I like that a lot because we were uh, we were wanting to play um, Stardew, but our third was unavailable, and so oh. we we're like, "What can we play that's chill and is you know, yeah, you know, I nice feel that and calming." So I feel that <laughs> we played Terraria. <laughs> yeah, that was basically it. I I don't have anything too spectacular to report. <laughs> uh yeah, did you get did you get uh how far did you get in Terraria? Uh we are right now we're exploring the red ish area. The I don't know how to explain it, but basically Oh the we Crimson, don't have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well that makes sense that it's called that. <laughs> um yeah, so we're exploring that right now and we can't we're not we're basically trying to like dig our way around the areas that we can't mine through yet because we don't have any like special tools or anything yet because we're we only played like i don't know like maybe four hours into it something like that Mm, Uh, okay yeah Yeah. four hours so 
We're not that far. <laughs> yeah. So the the way it works in Terraria is when you create a world, it will spawn I, either one of two uh, like evil zones. It's either the oh. corruption, which is purple, or the crimson, which is red and spooky. Oh, yeah, it's spooky. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I I think we got to a point where I just got killed by a nymph because I thought that she was a nice NPC, and I was like, oh, I'll let her down from that platform that she's hanging up on. Oh and yeah. Then I broke the platform, and then she fell down and killed me. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the trouble with it. It's it's that everything is actually out to kill you. Yeah. No yep. me gusta. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just how it be. I've played three hundred hours of Terraria. Oh my god. <laughs> I am I'm thoroughly kind of done with that game. I I love that game. Like, don't get me wrong, but whenever someone starts a server and is like, "Do you want to play?" I'm like, I actually really don't. <laughs> I'm I mean, kind of you, done with you, this game forever. <laughs> You fully enjoyed it to the I, I fully I fully extent. enjoyed it. And like yeah. I I played it as it was developing too because every time mm. they said they were done they would just come back and release a new expansion and they'd be like there's more mm. items in the game. I'm like I guess I got to go back and play it. <laughs> Another 100 hours. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, easy. <laughs> easy. Easy. So, uh yeah, I I I wish I could say I've been doing more. I mean, I've just been playing video games instead of doing homework and then doing homework when I should be sleeping. <laughs> and then you'll just have a day where you sleep 14 hours. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I just like stay up for ungodly amounts of time and then I have my catch up day where I sleep for like 14, 15 hours. I think it's killing my body. I think I'm dying. You are. You are. I sense it. I sense how stressed you are. <laughs> it's okay. I, I think we're coming up on week seven, eight, seven. I think S- seven. I don't know, but it's uh, it, the majority of the quarter is over, and then I will be done with this hellish schedule that forces me to wake up at six a.m. so I can make my eight a.m. class. Well, uh, how That's many weeks is it thing. again for total? Uh, a a quarter is ten weeks plus finals week, uh, okay. but that doesn't count because I don't have to go to class. Okay, so. so yeah, I think you I've got like I've, another I've, yeah, couple weeks. Yeah, I've basically used up all of my my allowances for uh, absences. So now I just have to to rough to like tough it out. And I think I think I can manage it. I think I can manage it. Um, <laughs> I just have to be. You know what? Okay, uh, here's what I realized, which is that the problem with my schedule isn't necessarily that my schedule is like a twelve hour day and then uh, a free day and then a less than twelve hour day. Uh, it, the problem is actually much more that I schedule everything in the blanks and I do too many things. Yeah, I could have told you that eons ago. <laughs> but I just, I don't know how to stop. You have to say no. I, ju- I it's too late, Renu. I don't know. I can We've only say no. over this. <laughs> I can only say no now because uh, there's like physically nowhere for me to put things in my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The issue is you don't know how to schedule. <laughs> well, you might be correct there. <laughs> I either don't know how to schedule or I know how to schedule too well. <laughs> no, it's not too well. You're falling apart, therefore it's not going well at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Soupy, one day we'll get you a well-balanced life, I hope. (laughs) 
Yeah, as soon as school is over, I don't have to worry about homework. Yeah, but then you'll have all of the blanks and you'll cram even more stuff. I hate how feasible that sounds. Like I hate that I hate that you say that and I think, yeah, that sounds like something I would do. Like I'm just you know, I <laughs> like I just I don't know I don't know yeah I don't know either I I think I I think I like hanging out with people too much a little bit yeah of course you do <sighs> because you're the dairy dairy <laughs> no I think I'm just the die die <laughs> all right speaking of speaking of dairy dairy do you want to talk about Toradora yes let's go <laughs> let's talk about Toradora Toradora Toradora. <laughs> okay. Uh, Toradora is originally a light novel series by Takemiya Yuko, who uh, you probably know for Toradora. Let's let's be real. You probably know <laughs> be, you probably know them because you, he he wrote Toradora. <laughs> but he's also written a handful of other things. One of which is Golden Time. Um, oh. And the others I would have to look up, but. Uh, yeah, uh, Tora for for tiger, like, and then Dora for dragon, because that's just the way Japanese works. Yeah, and it's basically like uh, it's it's your fun rom com series where you got two wacky kids who are gonna help each other uh, fall in uh, fall in relationships, kiss kiss fall in relationship <laughs> with their uh, the people that they're they're crushing on that aren't each other. But then over the course of the series, they learn that they actually like each other, and then drama ensues. <laughs> That's perfect. it. That's, That's Toradora. That's a perfect summary. Yeah, easy. Easy. That's Podcast it. That's all over. of Torador. Podcast over. <laughs> Everyone go home. We're done for this week. Good night. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> As always, check us out on Twitter. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> so, the animation for for Toradora is done by JC Staff, who has yes. done a bunch of stuff. A, so, like, a, like basically a lot of every stuff. anime that you can remember from, you know, the mid two thousands or whatever, and plus some from other times is basically by them <laughs> yeah yeah they're they're still they're still kicking they're still kicking they're yeah. still doing stuff and you can clear i mean you can clearly tell that toradora was created in like the sort of mid 2000s because it looks it's like a perfect snapshot in every every respect of of what that is yeah. and uh it it even has it even has the sort of uh how do I say this? The the JC staff like budget conservation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, so the the JC staff budget conservation, uh-huh. <laughs> which is where they do that thing where they just like very clearly save their budget as like as as often as they can, as, as often as they can get away with, and then they use all of it to animate the like really dramatic moments yeah i mean that that's that's pretty standard in a lot of animation studios that aren't kyoani so <laughs> i i think that's i think that's true but like it's so clear here like it's it's so obvious <laughs> and i i think it's that is also the case with a lot of other stuff that they've animated um they animating something this season are they uh they did planet with which makes sense 
<laughs> and oh, they're doing okay. They're doing One Punch Man two in April, so we'll we'll see. Oh. We'll we'll save our we'll reserve our judgment until then. But yeah, I mean, I will say I think it works here, even though it's like pretty obvious, like. Mm. The the way that the animation works, especially when they're like trying to to make it look good, it does look good, and they land it. And I think the moments that they decide to use it are also really good. And I think that yeah. those really work surprisingly well as well. Because normally I would just be like, "Oh, why are you doing this?" But it it actually serves a purpose in in this show where it shows the difference between the moments that are supposed to be like, "Oh, this is like the the fun like." veneer of of like like hilarious rom-com comedy and then they're like this is the really dramatic part where we're supposed to feel emotions and, <laughs> you know it's kind of like it's kind of like the promised neverland in in the in when when the characters start making like more realistic faces you're like oh my god oh no oh no I, it's, it's going getting, down it's getting too real <laughs> i think i think that there is um like there's there's a very real sort of uh emotional I'm gonna say like thread that that follows from Toradora into things like Doki Doki Literature Club where uh, it plays with this line between what you expect and and what you don't in in a way that is like specifically meant to uh, cause uh, unease or distress and right. um in in Toradora it's it's to it's to make the it's to accentuate the moments when when that's supposed to be the case and to make you feel like legitimately empathetic towards these characters yeah yeah i it's it's pretty standard fare in terms of like when they you know this, where where they decide to highlight the moments and and where to put their budget but i feel like they execute it so well that it's just like i mean i'm fine if this is the golden standard <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, right, like, the the ideal would just be that everything looks good all the time. I mean, yeah. But I, I think the way that they, they managed it is is still fine. Yeah, uh, of course. I, I, think, it, I think it still still works out. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I really... I really like the animation, even though, like, if you look at some of the still shots, it actually doesn't look amazing. Like, no, no, because <laughs> it needs to be, don't don't pause it. <laughs> right, because some of the um some of the uh character designs and like the the character art is like really really mid two thousands. They have like these really big like almost displaced like bulgy eyes. Yes. Um, it's like very clearly like this is what anime used to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, like that's, in that's terms fair. of like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's fair. And and like, I feel like in terms of mid two thousands anime, this one is probably one of the better looking ones from the, like the the usual. That yeah, we got I, I think then. I would. Yeah, I would tend to agree. <laughs> I, I, as as especially with the switch to digital, I think this is this is one of the better examples of of one of those anime. And right. It it. I mean, obviously, I have a soft spot for it because it occupies a, a space of um, like a period space where it's like right. this is this really reminds me of a certain time in my life and of the things that I was watching at that at that certain time in my life. So, yeah, yeah, I, I obviously have a, a soft spot for it. And it it obviously isn't at all times the most technically proficient, but, you know, it's still good. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's still it still definitely holds up, I would say. I think so too. Um cuz they do they did a lot of work for certain like really small motions that I liked and I feel like that could be animated just like that today just with a more, you know. Yeah, yeah. More camera filters or whatever that they do now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, do you want to talk about, you want to talk about characters? Let's talk about the babies. Let's talk about my babies. <laughs> so Toradora basically revolves pretty heavily around five main characters in the cast. Um, I mean, of course, you got the the two, the main boy and the main girl, and then they're you know friends or love interests, and they are all really, really strongly characterized like i was kind of blown away the first time that i watched the show at how like in depth they went with each character which i loved right it wasn't always about like the dram drams it was about like getting to know each character and what they felt about love and and their views on such and such right about each other's families and whatnot so yeah and i like that <laughs> basically ever since toradora the uh, I guess the tropes that these characters symbolize have been like so like whittled down and copied over and over again. <laughs> that is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is yeah, I would I would tend to agree. I think that the way that the characters are are written in Toradora is so specific and mm-hmm. hard to emulate. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, they're they're written for a very a very specific purpose, and I would hesitate to say that like um, that the reason is because they're written realistically. I I think that there's an element to that there. I just think that they are like there is because there's a reason behind the way that they're written uh, that way. Uh, it doesn't end up feeling like like a hollow characterization it it feels exactly. a lot more like there is a a clear sort of um there's a clear reason um for the way that they act a certain way and yes it's like this um uh, what do you call it uh like something something reaction no uh <laughs> Why? Why can't I remember this? It's it's like um, you know, like the, the like Newton's third law. Law of attraction, or no, no, no. Um, for every action, there is an opposite and equal oh. reaction. Except it's not sure. quite like that either. Ah, whatever. I don't remember. I don't remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I I think that. It it's it's when we get a glimpse into the more serious moments of of the show that we get to see why these characters act the way that they act and and we get to see them grow as characters and I think that's really really good because the the way that it the way that the show kind of ties together um these these like themes of of family right with the two main characters is I mm-hmm. think really good. Yes, absolutely. I think what this show does that makes it stand like a, a bit above the rest uh, in this genre is that there are uh, each character obviously has their own views on family. They all have their own, you know, complicated family situations, and as a result, 
you know, they're going to get into some pretty serious issues and conflicts. But instead of like taking the typical like, ah, the the main girl, she has problems with her father. The main guy will probably just stand up for her like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. because he cares about her. They take a more in-depth look at each character and then they decide like, ah, the the main character he has his own personal biases in this situation, not just wanting to stick up for the girl, but also like stemming from his own history. Right. And so he doesn't necessarily jump to her defense. He actually has his own opinions about the issue. Yeah. I I think that there is, there's um, a clear difference between characters that are written in a vacuum and characters that are written and then interact with each other in, in a larger context because Yeah, it's it's very clear that the the perspective of the characters that we see comes from how they were raised and from how they were treated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that holds true for every character that we see. Yeah. 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 And like also the the actual premise of of the show is arguably quite generic and Yes. <laughs> moreover the um like cuz if i if i had to explain this to somebody who i mean let's let's assume somebody who has a decent understanding of of anime right if i said yeah. do you want to watch a show about two main characters who uh help each other uh try to get with like one of their one of their friends because um that's who they like and then also like most of the girls just fall in love with the guy Right. It's like that would just be like, no, of course not. Why would I want to watch that? But that's that's what Toradora is, you know, Mm -hmm. if you if you boil it down that way. But Mm -hmm. it is also a lot more, which is what makes it good. Like this is it's one of those clear examples of even if a premise doesn't seem good. Right. If even a premise seems kind of bland, it's very possible for it to be executed very well. And I also think that's part of the reason that Toradora works so well is because it it uses that expectation of of the way that um, these characters would act in in kind of a, a more generic series, and then it twists that and it it makes them more relatable and realistic and have like heavier emotions. Like that's kind of yes. a, that's kind of the problem with a lot of shows that have premises like this that don't land it as well. It's that the actions and consequences don't feel as as heavy. Like the the actual stakes are not as as large. I think they become a little too like preoccupied with making sure that they reach their end goal, right? Like this girl has to be in love with this guy, but first she has to fall out of love with this current guy, right? And they lose sight of the actual character uh and and what they would actually think based on you know like like we talked about their their upbringing yeah uh, i i mean i also think that a part of it is like you know going back to this this doki doki literature club thing mm-hmm. of there there is a point when you start to get uncomfortable because it's challenging i like ideas and perceptions that you had of what this would be like and mm-hmm. and it's it's subverting them in a way that is uh meaningful and and creates a like a, a an impact right you know you're just mm-hmm. like oh this is ah i i see this is what's happening you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh one of the moments when i had this when i was younger was and this is actually a funny anecdote because uh kokoro connect is not a very good show <laughs> but it does grapple with a lot of really heavy themes. 
I just think that the way that it tries to do that is is maybe a little bit more contrived than it needs to be and ends up being a little bit uh flatter than it needs to be because of that. Anyway, one of the things that it it does is it it challenges kind of these like archetypes of of what a character is is like and using a more realistic uh, approach it it looks at them and and says like these are like fundamentally broken people like these these people have unhealthy traits that we glorify because they happen in in fiction and you shouldn't right you know it's it's mm-hmm. like the ma- the main character in Kokoro Connect is like they literally call him out for being too self-sacrificing which is like yeah yeah that's bad but like in contrast to to anime especially at that time right um early 2000s when everything is a little bit is getting a little bit is in the process of getting a little bit darker and a little bit more more serious it it challenges this is this notion of like uh you can't just like sacrifice yourself and have that have everything turn out okay right you're just you're you're just causing a more pain still right so I think that's that. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm. I'm feeling with with Toradora is that it says a lot about what what the audience, uh, especially at that time, was like expecting from these characters and and challenging that and saying like, you know, this this is not sustainable. This is not like a sustainable emotional state. And yeah. the fact that we are like turning this into into entertainment and we're not thinking about this is is maybe kind of a problem. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, it's it it forces us to take a closer look at this, you know, genre as a whole, but also like how we treat each kind of character that is like this, that fits this, you know, category of like, oh, this is the Cinderella, oh, this is the the pop idol girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I kind of I love that I I kind of love Ami because she's just like a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like she's not very nice at all, and I'm I'm I absolutely love that. I love that she's really mean and spiteful, and she's just like I kind of hate that people are like fawn all over me, right? Yeah, like to the point where she's like like legitimately bitter about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I love that. I love that she's just like really mean and and just not nice at all. <laughs> well, because it, it completely flies in. It, it completely flies in the face of what we would expect uh, an idol character to be like, where it's like, oh, I'm just like following my dreams. I love, I love doing this, even though I still get a little tired. Right? This is like the Risei, the the fucking Risei thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. you know, I I love being an idol, and this is my favorite thing in the world. And Ami is just like, I hate everything. <laughs> this job brings me nothing but suffering, but I guess it makes me feel good because I like being better than people. Yeah, she's like, I like being better than everyone else. <laughs> but also, I have no friends. I, I, I actually really enjoyed that the way her character progressed over, over the series. And it felt really yes. natural that she would uh, develop feelings for um, for Ryuji. Even mm-hmm. though you know the way that the, the show is going to go. You're like, okay, he's going to get together with Taika. But like, it mm-hmm. actually feels impactful when when that when you can tell, right? When you can tell the mm-hmm. moment, she's just like, oh, right? And and when you learn that, you know, Minori also likes Ryuji, but has to has to hold her feelings back. And th- this is what I like about, about Toradora, is that it doesn't kind of sweep these issues under the under the rug for the exactly. sake of... For the mm-hmm. sake of a resolution, right? Yes. It's, it says, yes. they, they, like, these are really complicated, like, messy, emotional relationships that these characters have with each other. And mm-hmm. 
it's not just going to be easily resolved and these characters are going to hurt each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes these things are just kind of unresolvable. Like you, you kind of yeah. have to, like someone has to let go. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's not always just going to be able to work out in the end. And yeah, that's the thing that I like about Toradora over a lot of other what you would, you know, imagine calling like a harem show, right? Where a lot of the a lot of times it just feels like, oh, everyone else just like does their best and then they get rejected or whatever. But it's like this is this legitimately takes a a view of it, which is uh, to say, like, it becomes very complicated when you're I mean, first of all, when you're children uh, and you have these feelings that like are very, very powerful and very um, impactful and you don't know how to deal with them. And you don't know how to deal with them without hurting people close to you. And the fact that that's what the the show centers around this this idea of like of love, like like not just love, but like familial relationships as well, and also the possibility for hurting each other, right? That kind of thing is is I think is great. Yeah, yeah. This I I think it benefits from the fact that it stays on focus in terms of what this show was meant to be which is it's going by the nature of the genre that it's in it's going to very closely analyze relationships but specifically these people's emotions and how they impact each other whereas something that's a little broader like uh i don't know like persona (laughs) for example which does explore relationships but because they also have to grapple that with like School Alive, uh, Phantom Thieves or whatever, like in the latest one, right? They they aren't able to like n- like really super hone in on something like you know the relationships that you develop between like romantically between you know your main character and whoever he decides to romance. Uh, but this yeah, exactly. Series by it, like it, yeah, it super benefits from the fact that it you know it has its you know uh, arena or whatever that it's going to. Uh, put the set pieces in and it's going to deep dive into each one and how they all interconnect and i think it does it really well yeah yeah so who's your favorite character oh that's such a <laughs> that's such a hard question to ask me i, I know i did make you choose between your children i know uh <laughs> i think i think at the end of the day i'm i'm just always gonna be a taiga person oh yeah <laughs> yeah i, I mean uh, it, it it's funny because normally I'm not the kind of person who likes to pick one of the main characters as like my favorite character, mm. which isn't like a consequence of like oh I just don't like being like everyone else. No, I just like <laughs> I usually just weirdly latch onto a, a a side character and I'm like that's that's my character. But I actually really like Taiga and I think that she's written in a way that um, makes this the Sundere archetype really work because yes, it's you know. At its core, right, this this archetype is about pushing people away and being afraid of your own feelings because you don't want to be hurt. And so if you're mm-hmm. not going to play that up, it becomes kind of trivial. And, like, the again, like, it doesn't have any stakes to it. And it doesn't feel like it it's worth anything to have that in, in the show if you're not going to act upon it, if you're not going to if you're not going to use it to say, like, um, this character has, like, legitimate issues and yeah. it's clear that that Taiga has issues and they stem from her family life but it's also clear that she's somebody who has 
like always been Taiga and has never compromised about what that means. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate that, right? Even yeah. if it's even if it's like because it's like it's a, this almost contradictory view of like a person, which is I feel like fair because that's what people are. They're just a bunch of paradoxes wrapped in a meat body, right? It's <laughs> it's like she's somebody who's afraid of of really you know giving herself to another person right just to say like i'm i i'm at your your mercy i'm at your whim right to to say mm-hmm. like i i am being emotionally vulnerable with you and mm-hmm. that is scary to me because i'm afraid of of being hurt i'm afraid of people like leaving me because i'm and and she says like in the last episode she says uh you know, I was I was afraid that no one would ever love me, but maybe that was just me running away. And I think that that is a that is a, I mean, that's a way of looking at it I, to mm-hmm. to say like you know no one will will ever love me. Well, that's that's you're basically just saying like I'm I'm afraid to let someone love me. You know, I'm afraid to be emotionally vulnerable towards somebody, and I don't know. I think it's just really well done. Yeah, yeah, she is probably one of the most successful portrayals of that archetype but actually like making an entire fully characterized you know person out of that archetype you know yeah and i think people like when they make a certain like tsundere kind of character they feel like it's a restriction kind of thing like ah, i have to just play super duper hard into this and then it'll work out and everyone will love her because she's the tsundere character and most of the time at least for me that's the character that i hate the most out of the entire series that i'm watching this this role (laughs) single-handedly launched rie kugimiya into like the tsundere role forever basically (laughs) i know so you know <laughs> i mean she won which I, like I a think best is, actress yeah. award for it so <laughs> yeah i i always think it's really funny because this is an example of like a, a tsundere character that's like really done right mm-hmm. this sort of archetype has been around for a long time and you know one of the other obvious like successful portrayals of a tsundere character is is asuka who is like much farther along on the like i am i'm like a broken human being i have a nothing yeah. scale but you know it they they exist on the same spectrum of of depth mm-hmm. and and they both work for it, and mm-hmm. I mean that's 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 what I'm saying is that to to do this sort of archetype well, uh, especially if you're going to play into an archetype, you really need to think about why you're doing that and what you can do with that. Right? It, it's not enough just to put a sundere in your thing because people like sundere's. It's exactly. you have to you have to go and and make it so that you know this is a character. Who is a sundere for a reason? Who's like worth being a sundere, other than just yeah. whatever? It's like, uh, why don't you just give him like a different set of character traits and and be be fine with it, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I I get why they do it. It's it's a popular archetype, especially when it's done right. I think it is really emotionally impactful, and I think it has the potential to be so. Yeah, I think it's. It's almost like a high risk, high reward kind of thing. <laughs> I, I like think for the any, most part, people aren't going to land it. But I think any popular archetype is like that, right? Mm. I think it's very easy to not land a character if they are overplayed. I guess if if you're mm-hmm. if you're writing a character that is playing into an archetype on purpose, then you have to be very careful, or else you'll just become you know every other 
archetype in in that archetype, right? You know, this is the this is the if you don't you know do satire and and clearly mark that you're doing satire, you're just doing the thing that you're satirizing. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And congratulations, that's literally nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, I. I, I would say that I would say that um, Toradora does does that really well, and yeah. there's a reason that it's such a, a well regarded show. And it's mm-hmm. I I don't even know if people are necessarily conscious of the fact that it it just treats all of its characters like characters and not like walking archetypes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I also I love that all of all of it is like the the setup of this is just you know oh it's a fun rom com and then it slides and transitions into did you know that humans are messy and emotional beings and that teenagers are just a big mess just a big old hormonal ball because i mean like as as somebody who you know once you get out of those those years and you can look back you can you can kind of see it right you're just like Oh man, running away and eloping—that's a—that's uh, that's kind of a lot, right? Oh my god! Okay, we need right, to right. get as, into as, that. As an, as an adult, you look at that and you're just like, "Oh, children, please, there's another way." But you know, as, as a kid, it feels like you know that's 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 it, right? You yeah. When you're when you're that age, you know that's like that is a, as much agency as is afforded to you. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes that's just kind of how it be, and. Obviously, like it doesn't, they don't go all the way through with that, and they they work some other stuff out. But like, yeah, I, I like that the premise of it and the setup of of the show and the way it progresses is all about how, like, these are just fundamentally people that don't understand how to grasp their own emotions and how to deal with it, and in in like a productive or healthy way, and they just kind of have to just end up hurting each other. And like, that's not to say that adults can't do this either; they do this all the time. But it is to say, as as a as a teenager, this is when you start to learn about this and start mm-hmm. to learn that you know sometimes you're just you're just going to have to hurt people, right? And and mm-hmm. you have to you have to just be cognizant of that and the fact that you're going to have to apologize and make amends, but you're never going to be able to not hurt people in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I like that. I like that a lot, and it makes I me, like that lesson a lot too because it, it makes me feel it, very it, many emotions. Yeah, it teaches some emotional maturity, you know, in in these right. very in a group of uh kids who, you know, they you would expect them to only just barely be learning and yet some of the stuff that they go through in this show and how they resolve it is very mature. And yeah, yeah. I think that's a good lesson for kids of that age who might be watching that show to learn is that don't just sweep it under the rug. Your emotions are important and here are some ways in which these kids dealt with that and they were able to do it successfully. And yes, it hurt, but also the payoff in the end was worth it because they were able to successfully convey their feelings to one another. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like I like the fact that it also has this like really frank discussion about family. Like I'm I'm actually really glad that the the main character uh or, or like Ryuji, right? His his mom is like a single mom trying to raise him, and mm-hmm. I love that they don't like. Oh my god, that's so the scene when they're running away is actually one of the best scenes to me because 
it like it really capstones the the family stuff in in a way that is that it like sets it up for the next episode right because mm. it's like he says all of these things that are so rough to hear where yeah. he's he's just like like I, I'm just I'm just trying to help you right because because we're like a family I like I I don't I don't need to study like you you want me to study right it's like you know and you can feel them butting heads at that moment and you can feel them like just trying to do the best they can for each other and they they still can't quite reach an agreement and mm-hmm. that's one of the like most impactful things to me because it's like this this uh this scene where you know, both of these characters want the best for each other because because they're family. And, you know, Ryuji feels like his his mother is projecting some of her, you know, insecurities on him. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, she's she's feeling like she's just doing like the best thing for him, you know, which would be to study and for him to go to a, a good college and, and get a good job. Yeah, because she, she wants, wants a better life for him than she, she had for herself. Right. She she wants a better life for him than than she had. But and i think this is a this is a a thing that is like really relevant to a lot of a lot of people where you know your your parents want you to to like do your best and to have the best for yourself and sometimes that means them making you do things that you don't necessarily want to do and you're not going to have the perspective until you're older to to see that and even then right it's still not like a universally good thing either you know, mm-hmm. your parents' expectations can still hurt you and they can still yeah. they can still be something that that weighs you down, even if, mm-hmm. you know, what they want for you is what they what they think is best for you. And even if you right. even if they are projecting. Uh, right. It's like, you know. We have that scene in a lot of, of movies where it's like, this isn't my dream, dad, this is yours. And then, you know, <laughs> dad has like an emotional scene where he's like. And then he like thinks about it. he's like you're right son, <laughs> I'm sorry right and it's like it it's that where it's like you know yes. sometimes a, a person and because parents are also flawed human beings they have this this certain perspective where they think like you know this is what is what is best for you and sometimes they can't untangle that from what they think would have been best for themselves when they were younger right right so. That's why that scene is so good to me. And then, like, the reunion with, with the grandparents. Uh, yes. And that was so sweet. I, I think. I know. Like, it's, it's, it's a really, like, heartfelt, you know, scene because it's, it's like these. She hasn't seen her parents for, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. But they're still willing to be her parents. And. Yeah. I like that the way that they talk to her. <laughs> it's so funny. And right. she just basically became a kid again. <laughs> right. And and I I love that like there's there's a like that moment is 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 where you where you kind of get the the feeling that you know she's also growing up. You know, she she was a single yeah. mother and she was like raising her mm-hmm. her kid and he turned out to be like a really great dude and Yeah. <laughs> and she she has like she's able to take pride in that. And I mm-hmm. I think that amount of recognition, you know, is is like the best thing that she could have received and I and I yeah, and I, and it's like that's the moment of re- of resolution where you know something comes comes to a head and and it's resolved, and whether for better or for worse, right? It, it from there, it's like that's just like the starting point, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and and I like that it's not just universally 
you should be with your family because they're your family, right? Because obviously, exactly. Tyga's, Tyga's parents treat her like shit. Yeah. And they never really get better. And, you know, her, no. her mom never really gets better. She's just like, do whatever you want, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there is this this message of like, you know, you care about your family because they care about you. But also, uh, you know, your family is what you what you make of it. And if your family is being shit to you, then find a new one. Which is yeah, what she does. Uh, yeah, and it's exactly what she does. Exactly. And I like that they had uh, that that arc with her dad because it was, you know, Ryuji projecting his own ideals on what a father should be like and also how a daughter should treat her father because he never had one growing up. You know, his his dad was like, you know, dude that just left and he was a criminal and stuff. And yeah. so he was projecting all the, these these this fantasy onto Taiga's situation and and Taiga went along with it because she knows that you know he he kind of just wants the best for her but I think she also kind of didn't want to hurt him type of thing uh but that self-realization that he had where you know he was projecting his own family values and his own family like fantasy onto her mm-hmm. was really impactful too yeah yeah i yeah Oh boy! And then all the all the scenes where they're like, there's like mismatched feelings flying all around. I love those too, where they're like, <laughs> so much. Like the student council president and just like, my god, that's a whole thing. <laughs> I I like that she was like basically the only um like side arc that we really get about like not a main cast character, and even then it kind of connects to one of the main characters. But like I love that. It's just like, you know, I don't have time for this shit. I have things to do and places mm-hmm. to be, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. to space. <laughs> and she just she just does that. She just goes to space. Like, she just, she, she like, straight up just, like, beats people up and then leaves the school. What a force of nature. <laughs> right? I, ki- I kind of, I love that, and I love that that's... Yeah, I liked that she was there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that that was where where her her story went and yeah. that he decided that he would still like try to follow her in his his own way at the end. And yeah. that's like I mean that's kind of okay, right? You know. It, yeah. It's it, like obviously, yeah. If you are going to choose between like, you know, your feelings um and and your dreams, you should you should obviously follow your dreams, right? <laughs> like Mhm. I think it's a it's a really important message to me that all of these characters have their own path and they have to follow that path and they like not even just follow it right they make their own path and and they're all different. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's part of growing up, which is that not not everyone will be able to take the same path and everyone will have to figure something else for themselves. But they're all valid and and they're all gonna yeah. end up okay. They're all okay. <laughs> they're all gonna be. They're all gonna be okay. Who's your favorite character, by the way? I feel like I didn't. I didn't catch it. Uh, I think the character that I had always related to the most from when I first watched the show was probably Kushida. You know. Yeah, I've. I yeah. think in terms of relation, I'm. I'm definitely. Um, uh, what's his face? Glasses boy. Yusaku. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> I think I've I've always felt a little bit like like just this weird dude. Uh, <laughs> you I'm, are. Yeah. 
I love that he's like like really ready just to strip whenever. <laughs> he ends up with his shirt like off like a lot of the time. Yeah, he's always naked. <laughs> like I I like that his character is like he's like this quirky best friend character and he's like supposed to be like really like you can tell from his character design he's supposed to be like kind of rational and reasonable and then like he's yeah. just the most weird. He is the most weird out of all of them. <laughs> like because it turns out there's not actually an explanation for how weird he is, right? No, Where even isn't. even like Kushieda is like, you know, her weirdness is a projection of her own insecurities and um the fact that she uh feels like really restless if she's not following her dreams and like, you know, moving forward and she has to keep that momentum and right? So like all of the, all of that it feels like it comes from somewhere. And then Yusaku's yeah. just kind of like no shirt I, I love how spontaneous he is and he's so wild it, he's pretty wild and I like that he's um, I like that he's uh, just like I guess like I guess you could consider him like the foil for, for Ryuji but I, I love him mm -hmm. I love him too he's, he's a very close second I would say <laughs> but yeah these good kids these, these good kids they all, they all turn out okay yeah I, I love Toradora and I feel like it's very rare that we get a, a show like Toradora. Yeah. But sometimes sometimes we do. You know, things like Oregairu. Um, didn't something air recently? That Yeah, Bunny Girl Senpai. That's that's right. Bunny Girl yes. Senpai feels a little mm -hmm. bit like that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think it falls into this category of shows where, because of the way it's set up, it feels really deep. And there's a certain quality to these shows that feels a little bit um, almost magical. I think. I think the this mm. like manifestation of of all this like kind of youth youth energy and like emotional energy that like gets sparked up. It almost feels a little bit like things are moving by magic, uh, even mm -hmm. though you can clearly see where they're coming from. And I think that thread is really explored in in Bunny Girl when they're just like ah, it's like literally paranormal things happening. You know, it feels. It captures a little bit of that that feeling of of youth when you know you don't know how anything works and you don't know, like you you know nothing, right? So if magic exists, it it could exist and you wouldn't know it, right? <laughs> it it feels a little bit like that. I think a lot of sure. a lot of especially really good shows about um, a lot of really good like high school dramas, uh, like high school drama anime are like this where. There is almost a magical element to it, um, even if there isn't necessarily one. Like, I mean, that that's like, again, like, you know, kind of like Doki Doki Literature Club. It feels a little bit like that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Man, I will never get over the fact that people just talk about Doki Doki Literature Club and they always talk about the shock value of it. And it's never like, uh, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking about this, but like, yeah. <laughs> It's the attention-grabbing stuff, you know? Right. It's also like, oh, have you ever played Doki Doki Literature Club? God. And it's like, yeah, it's like one of my favorite things ever because it, it's like a really cool postmodern exploration of game design and responsibility and emotions and, like, the way that we treat <laughs> fictional entities. Anyway, that's not this episode. That's episode, like, four or something, even though I still have to go back and remaster all the audio so it doesn't sound like absolute crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway 
Um, I think, yeah, yeah I, I think that's, that might be it. Like, I mean, it's, it's just one of my favorite things. And if you have time and you like watching people be emotional at each other and you're, you, you, you feel in some, you feel in some emotions, you know, I, I would recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a series where I could give my, I don't like romantic stuff all the time, drama, romantic drama all the time, but I like this one stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah i think it, the thing about it is it's very um there's a lot of derivatives made of it where they'll like copy a character or they'll copy a premise or something and mm -hmm. they can never quite capture what's good about the original because they're they're not really thinking about it they're just saying like oh this this is this looks interesting you know this this was yes. clearly very successful and well received i should just take yeah. it Without considering, yeah. well, why was that character popular? Yeah. Why did that character mm -hmm. work? What what made mm -hmm. them compelling, right? You are yeah. compelled to like all these characters and to support all these characters in their endeavors. And as a result, you feel the you feel the the tension when two characters butt heads because you care about both of them, right? So mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And uh, I think this this series did for like its archetypes, kind of like what Haruhi Suzumiya did for its own archetypes, right? Just kind of like yeah, boy, I have them. I have an entire <laughs> fucking statement piece about Haruhi Suzumiya. God, <laughs> I mean, okay, part of it part of it is because I like Haruhi Suzumiya was one of the the first things that I ever actually watched when I was getting into anime. Mm -hmm. Um. At, le at least, like, more so than the, like, oh, I would just watch, like, Naruto or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of things to say about it. I would have to rewatch it. It's been, I've actually, I've actually never rewatched it. So th that would be very interesting to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's a show I care a lot about. Like, like Toradora, too, I care a lot about because it exists in a time period when, you know, I've seen a lot of things that are, um, like very uh, i would i would say very integral in shaping me as a as a human being yeah and i, I think that's that's the value of, of fiction like this is that you know it has a lasting impact on people even if they don't realize it you know i you know when i was a teenager and i was i was blossoming into a young adult right this is <laughs> this is what i what i saw right this is like i see this this show sees me you know this this show sees what what mm. kind of feelings i'm going through yeah it and helped it, you blossom yeah it helped me <laughs> blossom into a, a fantastic young adult except it's kind of like when you um it's kind of like when you like blossom but like the fruit is like already rotten and you're just like oh oh my god here comes the jaded 22 year old <laughs> yep it's fine because it just means that the rotten fruit that is my personality will fall into the ground and become fertilizer for something better. <laughs> Stop. The circle of life. No. It continues. <laughs> the circle of life. Okay, speaking of the circle of life, hang on. Before we like end the episode. Yes. Uh, do you know that like quote unquote live action Lion King thing they're doing? Uh, yes, I've heard the things Why about it. are they doing that? Because they're making live-action remakes of all of their Disney but, properties. But, but Renu, have you seen it? 
I think no. Uh, I've heard things about people who have seen the things of it as it's, much as I've heard about like the not Aladdin like, one. It's not like a live action. It's just CG. Like <laughs> the only difference is that it's CG and not like hand anime. I don't. Uh, well, I don't it's understand. Not like they can take little baby lion cubs and move their mouths. <laughs> I know, but like. I just, I don't understand the, like, movement towards the, like, okay, if you're gonna make live-action versions of, of all of these, these shows, or, or all these movies, rather, mm-hmm. why The Lion King? I mean, they did it for Jungle Book, which arguably has more people than The Lion King does. It has at least <laughs> one more person, yes. yes. So, but I think, I think if they didn't, then people would be like, where my Lion King at? And then they'd have to be like, well... See, I, I mean, mean, this is the Lion King that you wanted. I feel like it would be fine if they just did the Lion King, but like they were all people now, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't, they've done that for plays, like Broadway play, right? Exactly, uh, like like yeah. the Lion King on Ice. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just so confused. I yeah, I I actually when they first announced the Lion King uh live action quote unquote i had thought that they would do it like they did with the play and the yeah. and the on ice i mean thing, i could i could excuse <laughs> i can excuse well no i really can't but like i can more <laughs> readily excuse the like will smith genie with <laughs> no i'm just thinking about the genie now I, but I'm. I feel like I'm more readily willing to excuse that because it's like one CG element in what is otherwise a live action, and you know, populated by people, uh, film. But right, why? I struggle to think of what they could do game. with a 3D animation that the 2D animation didn't already like make iconically, right? Because, I mean, yeah, 3D yeah. animation is wonderful. It has its own space. But I, as a 3D animator myself, I struggle to think what they could do that would surpass or be, you know, well, okay. uh, more, you know, than, I, than I will, what the 2D I will, did. I will say I understand why they're doing it. I just don't agree with it, right? It's, it's okay. I mean, it's clear that part of this stems from a very obvious impulse by... Um, I'm going to say cinema to believe that animation is an inferior form of art, right? This is why mm. we keep getting live action versions of, of classical beloved Disney movies. And they're never mm. going to be as good as, as the, the animated versions because the people who are making these things don't understand that the animation was why these things were good and not like mm-hmm. any, really any other aspect of them. Like the stories are just like fairy tales that they ripped off from, from folk people. So like, I, I'm not sure what you're trying to get here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's right. like the animation was like 100% of the appeal. Okay, yes, exactly. I'll say ninety percent. Maybe maybe like eight percent was like music because uh, yeah, you know. music and then the actors and whatnot. But like, right? Like I just no, it, yeah, yeah. It was made to be an animation, like the way that they you know took the stories and adapted them, and then the the people that they chose and the animators that they chose. Yeah, it was all for the purpose of being an animation. So now that they keep making derivatives of these things, they're obviously not going to be. With that same like focus, right? That yeah. that goal. They just in they, mind. listen. 
They just don't understand. They just don't respect animation. Also, the, it, no, it, yeah. it becomes increasingly clear that they don't because they decided they would just cast Will Smith as the genie instead of, um, I don't know, like CGing the whole genie. Like you can still make Will Smith voice the genie, but like, uh, yeah, right. Like the whole the whole point of that character was that he's like an amorphous blob. That he yeah. can do whatever he wants with his body. So it, it seems yeah. strange that you would cast a real human actor and put his face on there and then show his actual goddamn nipples. I think... <laughs> you're very offended by that. I think uh, uh, because the genie has a humanoid face, they had to choose a face and a voice to go with it. So they were like, yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I don't know. It's... They, I think they, there's a lot of things that could have gone better there. Anyway, I'm done complaining about uh disney um yeah that's i guess that's the end of the episode uh yeah. where where can we find you what are you doing this week uh you can find me at uh swan drawn on twitter and tumblr and facebook and twitch and swan.drawn on instagram i might start posting some older stuff art wise because i've just been working on the podcast this whole time <laughs> oh i mean that's that's fair it's a lot of work yeah and but it's been a good time and uh i'm still working on pixel stuff on my twitch stream and uh also doing more kingdom hearts uh, progress on the weekends i'll probably do some more of that later nice uh and um yeah oh one of my Twitch viewers, the one uh, who likes explicitly said that they came over from our podcast, hmm. uh, participated in the same game jam that you did. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, and so I got to read that. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And they were like, yeah, did you know that Subi made a game for this? And I was like, wait, what? He didn't tell me this. And so then I went and read your game. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's funny. I was actually going to mention it. Um, I, I, was, I actually completely forgot about it. And then I was uh, I was like, what am, what am I missing? So thanks for reminding me. Yes. Tell the That's people. Nice. Yeah, that was that was super fun. Uh you can find me on all the places at Literal Soup. I I kind of forgot to bring this up during the the introduction, but I made a game for the Sad Mech Jam. And it's it's just like a little tiny poetry game. It's uh, uh you can find it at itch.io slash literal soup. And it's just like a it's just a little piece of poetry that you can do whatever you want with the words with. You can remove words. You can add words. You can make yourself a goddamn poem. And it's about a uh, a mech that has, well, it's about something. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I can get too much more specific than that because a lot of it is really up to interpretation. But you're clearly a mech. So, um, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be. You could interpret this differently, metaphorically. But yeah, it starts, oh my God. <laughs> it starts with the lines, Against the falling rain, you and I danced. Together we danced, together we fell. You and I fell, but only I survived. Go read it. It's lovely. I like yeah, it a lot. Yeah, do it. Just, just play it. It's pay what you want, so you can download it for free if, if you really want to. Uh, I think there's a suggested price for it if you really want to pay me, which would be lovely. Um, but... <laughs> This is just kind of something I like cranked out for a game jam, so I'm not expecting people to pay me for it. Uh, if I was, you know, actually spending time making a game, I might actually ask you for money. By which I mean I'm going to ask for money. <laughs> uh, pay your artists, kids. Pay your artists. Oh my god. 
because they put in lots of work. Anyway, yeah, so that was that was super fun. I I really put that together like very last minute because I had the idea floating in my brain for a long time, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do for the formatting. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm still not like a hundred percent happy with it. I still think that mm-hmm. there's like it could look better, but um, that's the best I could do on like. I was really shocked that you managed to crank out something for a game jam amidst your terrible schedule. Yeah, I found some time to write some of it in class is what <laughs> I did. Yeah. Uh, there we go. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Uh I I think that's I think that's it. Uh we'll we'll see you n- next next time, I think. Uh see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Right, you should check us out on on Twitter uh at absolutecast where we will post updates and stuff. Maybe sometimes sometimes yeah. post episode commentary if I'm really feeling like it and I have something pressing to say. Our shiny new opening is by the wonderful Scott Toon Network and our new ending is by the lovely Takuma Okada. I'll put their links in the link dump so be sure to check them out. Yeah, that's that that's it. <laughs> See, oh my God. That's it. That's it. I've ended this podcast like eight times now. Can you please end it? <laughs> Chance. <laughs> I'll, I'll find something else to do. I'll find Please something. Please find else to something. Do. Really? I kind of like it though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't the like the emotional, chance? you know, yeah. impact of what you had before. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I suppose so. I suppose yeah. you're correct. ね。